What a wonderful story we have to tell. What a wonderful privilege we have to hear it. This is because we are living souls. This morning when we left our house, one of the family, seven of us live there, remarked uh, about our little dog, little Boston Terrier named Cindy. She's very, very happy when we come home and when it's time for us to go, she can tell, and so she goes and gets in her bed and just uh, lies there. So someone said, look how peaceful and how easy it is to lead a life like she does. Just go and take it easy. And I said, yes, that's right. But you know, she doesn't know there's a great tribulation coming. She doesn't know anything about the depravity of man. She doesn't know that the Lord Jesus Christ came to the earth to save sinners. She doesn't know that people must be told this wonderful story. Why? Because she's an animal. She only goes by instincts. And if we told the story of redemption to animals, there'd be no great blessing in that because there'd be no response. In fact, there would be no story. They even debate whether or not when a tree falls in the wilderness, if there's no ear to hear, some people even debate, is there a noise? Because the noise registers on our eardrums. But um, what makes this story so wonderful is that the story has been made available. It's a true story. It applies to us. We can understand it. We can respond to it, feel it have a change made in us because of it, because God made us this way. Amen. God gave us this capability of responding. We know what it feels to love, to appreciate, to change our mind, to decide, sometimes to be embittered or hateful, all of this, because these are capabilities God built into us. But um, God made provision for us to have what we ought to have, be what we ought to be, and enjoy life. Amen. I'm not going to run for public office, even though election is a couple of weeks from now. But I can promise you something for nothing. And I can promise you something for everybody. Amen. I can tell you there's a way to have it better. And there's a way for it to get better every day after that. After you get all you can hold, seemingly, and be filled to your very utmost capacity, seemingly, with the good things of God, you'll find there's room for more, and you can reach out and go beyond that, and it won't get worse, you won't be disappointed. You aren't going to be disappointed because I don't produce what I promise, because it's not me that makes the promise. It isn't contingent upon my doing at all. God's promise is for you, and it comes from God who cannot fail. Amen. Isaiah 55 starts off by Isaiah speaking of the Christ that should come and telling the people how they could, should rally and have faith because the promised one would come. Isaiah 55, 1. Oh, everyone that thirsteth, 
come to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Ye come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him, for a witness, to the people, a leader and commander to the people. And we are the people. We are the ones capable of receiving the blessing Isaiah said would come through the seed of David. We are the ones that has this thirst, human thirst. Not just a thirst for water that we have when we haven't had water for a while. Not just a hunger for food that's built into us to want to eat again when we're hungry. No, this refers to something deeper than that. This refers to something that water will not satisfy, the best of food will not fill, the emptiness there. This speaks of a spiritual hunger. Now here's where we separate ourselves from the animals. They have the hunger for food, the thirst for water. When they get that, they go and lie down. Have you noticed animals looking at the scenery, beautiful mountains and rivers and streams and the color of the clouds? No. All they want to do is eat, lie down, rest. Do what they're made to do. But we are made to have a quest in our hearts after the living God. We have something in us that wants something more than just to be satisfied physically. We have the physical desires. We have physical wants that need to be met. And we try to meet them by this way or that. And we have a hope that people who have less of this world's goods can have more. Everyone should have their chance. And we feel for the unfortunate and for those who are deprived of many things we have. But even at that, in the very heart of the poorest or the richest, in the heart of the heathen that knows nothing of this Christ we tell you about, or in the heart of you who have heard it all of your lives, right down deep in your heart, there's something that thirsts after the living God. Something there that wants more than things, or relief from pressure, or prestige, or honor, or power that men give their souls for. In your heart, there's something that wants to know the reality of knowing God, Amen. of having communion with the Almighty, and of being satisfied in that soul of yours. And that being the case, Isaiah says, I tell you where the answer is. I'll let you know how you can be satisfied. Amen. Isaiah spake of Christ who would come. Yes. He said, Behold, I have given him for a witness yes. to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. A Christ, a Messiah, Isaiah prophesied of some 700 years before Christ. Now we look back 
almost 2,000 years to the time Christ was born, and we can let you read for yourself in the Bible the history of his having come, being born, reared, living, teaching, dying, coming forth victorious over the death, hell, and the grave in the resurrection. And because he lives, we shall live also. We cannot lie down and go to sleep like the animals do and just be satisfied with food. We must arouse ourselves and say, we have a greater message than that. We have news the world must hear, and that is that Jesus Christ died for them. They had a hunger that must be satisfied, a craving there that looked for reality. They had something their money couldn't buy the answer to. They had something that travel nor experience nor money would satisfy. But oh, they had the desire there to know the true and the living God. And Isaiah tells them how you can do that. Oh, everyone that thirsteth. And that means all of us. So when he calls us, we arise and with one, with one effort, we move forward saying, include me in that because I'm one of them that thirst for more. I'm one of them that has a desire that isn't satisfied with mundane things. I have a desire for more. So when Isaiah says, come, seek, find, we're included. What does he say do? Come and buy. Even if you have no money. That's news for the poor, isn't it? We think what a great blessing it would be if the poor could be made able to buy more of the necessities of life and the comforts that many of us enjoy. We think, oh, how, how much better the world would be if they could just do that. But when they got like that, you know how they'd be? Just like they are now, except maybe a little more flesh on their bones and better clothes to wear and a better house to live in. But there'd still be that something in their heart there that cried for this. And I know it's true because you'd be surprised if you knew about some of the background of some of the people that have embraced this faith. They haven't found it because it was uh, buyable or purchasable. Because if it had been, they couldn't have bought it. No money to buy it. No, no possibility of doing it. But the Lord called all of us, you and me, without regard to our poverty, without regard to our wealth. He called us and gave us something for nothing as far as our pay is concerned. But it was not something for nothing, really, because Christ gave himself as a redeemer. He gave himself as a payment for what had to be paid that we might have this. It's not cheap by any means, even though it's free for you. It isn't without cost by any regard, but because it costs the greatest price that heaven could afford, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave himself that we might come to this fountain that flows freely and drink of it without money or without price, without restriction or without any problem, rich or poor, young or old, whatever the case is, that everyone that's a thirst just arise and move forward. Come. Then he goes ahead to ask us a question or two to help us understand why we need this. He said, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? Why do you try so hard in those things that do not satisfy? Why do you put so much effort into something that is not very beneficial? And he said, And you labor for that which satisfies not. You remember you try so hard for the Crawford used to say here in this tabernacle when he was a young man around the southern part of California that he chased the things of the world until he literally had blisters on his feet. 
And that didn't mean he wore wearing shoes that didn't fit him. It just meant he was going so fast and so furiously that he literally had blisters on his feet. He wasn't the only one. Some of you have too. It's been true. We've tried and worked hard and tried this and tried that. Isaiah said, if you want to be satisfied, why try doing it that way? It won't work. Then he said, what to do about it? Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. This is easy enough. We understand it. We can get the point. We aren't just laying down now like an animal and say, well, I'm well fed and I'm just going to let the world go by. No, we can incline our ear and we can say, if there's more for me, tell me about it. If there's a way of victory, let me know where it is and how it is. How will I get it? Isaiah says, incline your ear. This means, listen for good news. You can stuff both ears full of cotton these days and still hear plenty of bad news, even without wanting to. But have you noticed how hard it is to come by good news? You don't find that so easily. You People start talking to you. Are they talking to you about good news? Not generally. They've got a song of blues to tell you. And they have troubles. They want to sell you something. They want to buy what you have, but they want to get your price all down. They want, they want their way. So people aren't going to help you. But if you incline your ear to God, God can help you. The stock market been in trouble lately, the newspapers tell us. Been going down, down, rally a little bit and then go down again. But we can tell you something that's a lot more sure than the best stock you can buy on the stock market. And this is something that's never going to go down in value. It's always going to go up. It's going to be better. These folks we referred to, they were 88 years old and, and older. Some of them been saved 50, 60, and perhaps some of them even close to 70 years. People that have proved this over and over and over again. And you talk to them, there is no one among them. And that's a high average, isn't it? Not one that would tell you it doesn't pay to serve the Lord. They'd tell you it's the best choice they ever made when they just inclined their ear to listen to that still small voice that told them what they ought to do. You have a faculty for that? You can turn your ear and listen? Then you have a faculty for doing what that still small voice tells you you ought to do. When you get the conviction there that convinces you of what you ought to do, you have the facility now for doing it. The animal can't, but you can, I can. We have that facility. God gave us that to turn, to decide, make up your mind, make that choice. When the still small voice says, incline your ear, seek, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Isn't that you? Without the Lord's help, doesn't the load grow, grow quite heavy? Without knowing what to do, don't you become quite disturbed and quite uneasy about what will happen next when you attend a funeral? We had one yesterday here in the West Chapel. A blessed time of rejoicing in one sense because Sister Paulson had grown home to be with the Lord. A time of sorrow, of course, for the immediate family in particular because of their loss. But underneath their loss they suffered, there was that rejoicing because they know it was victory on the other side. Victory over there. And a hope of having a reuniting one day. But how about you? When you face the realities of having funerals in your family, your own funeral or someone else's, is it going to be so well then? 
You can buy the beautiful casket, make it the best, but it only sits in the funeral home for a couple of days, and you have a funeral service, and you let it down the ground. Where is it then? All the sign of that is gone, just a little memory of having done a little bit to show your respect and honor. But how about having that hope in your heart of seeing the loved one again one day? How about facing the fact that you've inclined your ear to God and responded? Have you? If not, Isaiah would say, don't waste your life. That makes us think of Cliff Friesen and his testimony. His father in his dying bed had turned to the Lord and found salvation, but he called Cliff home from the Navy where he was, and he came across the states from Boston to Medford, Oregon, and there on his bed for several days he watched his father as he waned in physical strength, but his father said to him, Cliff, don't waste your life like I have. Cliff's mother had been a faithful Christian all those years, but the dad had stood in the way. He had been a hindrance. One, one of the Cliff's brothers had made a start for God one time and had professed faith in the Lord, and the, and the father stood in the way and made it hard on him. And that young man went out in the war and lost his life out there in the Second World War. And his father had that memory of what had happened in days gone by. How about you? Are you proud of what you've done? Most of us wouldn't be too proud of everything we've done. But are you happy that you've made the decision to say, I'll incline my ear to what God says? If you do, don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Stop it somewhere in between. You can do that. You have that facility too. Just to hear something and forget it or hear something and remember it. Incline your ear and hear. Let him that hath ears hear. If it comes your way, stop it somewhere between one ear and the other. If it comes your way, incline your ear, then hear it. And then respond by doing what the Lord wants you to do. What did he say do? Incline your ear and come unto me. Incline your ear, hear, then come. Come unto me, then you're going to know what it means to have the thirst quenched from a fountain that never runs dry. That hunger deep in your heart there that yearns for something real, you'll know what it means to have it. If you'll just simply take this instruction that Isaiah gives you and act upon it, you can prove it for yourself. And what better news in the world could we give you than that? We can't talk about the world and make good news out of this. We can't read a history book of the history of mankind and say very much good about that. It started off with one brother murdering his, his other brother. And it's been a sad story since. But in spite of man's failing, God lives, Jesus Christ lives, and wills your salvation, eternal salvation. Saved from sin, given victory, given power to go and sin no more, given something worth living for. The happy life, I should say. The best life, the only one that's worth counting. Something worthwhile for everyone? Yes. God doesn't make all of the poor people rich as far as dollars are concerned. He doesn't take all the wealth away from those who have a little bit of it when they get saved. We aren't all of one level as far as everything in life's concerned. We can't even learn the same lessons. Our capabilities are a lot different many times. Some things you could learn I might not ever understand it all, but that shouldn't make me jealous of you. I should just thank God that you have the mental capacity for doing it and say, well, if it blesses you, well, God bless you. 
But if we have a capacity for listening to God, then we have one common denominator that makes us all of one level, gives us all the same chance, and we have that. We stand before God without any restriction of any kind. We have capacity enough to get what we need, and we have digestive system enough to digest what God gives us, and then we have a trust that we can keep holding on to until the Lord finally receives us unto himself and glorifies us. We can leave this whole world with faith, with victory, and go to be with the Lord forever and ever. What good news this is. What a wonderful privilege we have to tell you. This is for you. But the story only is words unless you hear it and act upon it and come. Do what the Lord says. Will you? We're going to close the meeting. Have a chance to pray again. And oh, what a privilege this is. I saw a magazine article this week. I told you about this yesterday on the noon broadcast. But I saw the magazine article of revival back east in the college. And those college kids who had the Lord talk to their hearts and revive them and stir them up. They went out everywhere to have services and tell the story. And a lot of people in churches here and there began to have altar services. People began to pray in church. And it was news. It isn't news here, but we'd like to invite you to come down to the altar and pray with us, will you? Do you feel like doing it? Incline your ear. Hear. And then come, will you? Pray this morning. God will answer your prayer. It'll be your victory. The altar's open.